We'll read the first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the two sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered a ship immediately And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning now was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, And ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat up unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself in the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with a fish. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, and he drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. May God bless then the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are now looking at the epilogue of this Gospel of John. If it were a song, we would say John chapter 1 was the prelude, and John 21 would be the postlude. Or to speak in terms of the scriptures, we're looking at John 1 at the pre incarnation activity of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now we are looking at the post-resurrection ministry of Christ Jesus and his care of his church. This chapter gives us a detailed account of the resurrected Lord's third appearance to his disciples. And what you and I see in this chapter is then his loving care for his church which is left here on earth, even as he is preparing to go up to heaven. We are given two different miracles here, and two different statements. 
The first miracle, Jesus says to his disciples, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. And in that he is telling them, go, go into every nation and preach the gospel, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the second miracle is that provision there that is on the beach And Jesus says, come and dine. And he is saying there, I will provide for you all that you need, and I will strengthen you. Come. Come unto me. So under the theme, come and dine, or we could also call it God's provision for his followers, notice the disciples' need, first of all. Second of all, the sustenance given. And then thirdly, the fellowship enjoined. See the disciples' need, and then likewise, our need. The miracle with the fish should have reminded the the disciples of that miraculous draught of fish at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We read of that in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus was then calling these men to be fishers of men. But there are similarities in this account and at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but there are also differences. The similarities is both of these miracles take place at the Sea of Galilee. Both of these miracles were preceded by a night of fruitless labor. They labored all night long and there were no fish. And in both miracles, those disciples saw the supernatural power of Christ Jesus. Immediately there they are able to say, it is the Lord. And both of these accounts are followed by a commission to Peter. Be fishers of men, and Peter, you are restored again to your labor as a disciple after that terrible denial before Jesus' death. So those are the similarities, but there are also differences. Jesus was in the boat with them in Luke chapter 5, but now Jesus is standing way over there on the shoreline. In Luke 5, there's so many fish in the net that the net is breaking. But now, in this account, the, the net does not break. The one miracle was at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, And now this one is after his resurrection from the dead and Christ's ascension into heaven is going to take place very soon. There's a difference too in the calling given both times, although they have the same meaning. Jesus says, be fishers of men in Luke 5, but now when he speaks to Peter and the other disciples, he is saying to them, go feed my sheep. If you love me, go feed my sheep. In the first miracle, we are not given a number of fish that were caught, just that the net was full and breaking. But now we are told that the net does not break, and as Peter pulls it up to the shore, we are told the exact number, there are 153 great fish. Not that the number 153 has any symbolic meaning, but it is this. They knew the exact number of fish gathered just as God knows exactly the number of his ordained people that will be gathered by the preaching of the word. The Lord knows each and every one of his children gathered by the preaching of the word. But the point in this is that these disciples were now back at their old work again. Their old occupation, there they are on the lake looking for fish. 
what happened. Didn't Jesus, after the first miracle in Luke 5, tell them to be fishers of men? And hadn't they, at Jesus' bidding, gone out as a twelve, preaching the gospel, and later on with the seventy, going out and preaching the gospel? But now, here are these disciples back at their old occupation, fishing. Notice with me the disciples' need. You see... The Lord, the the shepherd, had been smitten and the sheep had been scattered. Yes, these men were scattered. As you read here, there are only seven of these disciples together present. And even Peter is is threatening to leave them. I go a-fishing, he says. So the disciples are scattered. They are not one whole together any longer. Second of all, these men are discouraged. They're discouraged because they had labored all night long and they have caught nothing, nothing at all. Thirdly, these men are hungry. They've labored all night long and they now need to be strengthened after their hard labors. Fourthly, These men are impatient. The Lord had risen and the Lord had appeared to them already twice. Now what? When is he going to come again? When is he going to meet us up here in Galilee while we're waiting? And see with me that the Lord uses these difficulties to reveal himself as a very present help in trouble. And now let's take those seven disciples and let us see ourselves in them as disciples of Jesus Christ. We too have been given a commission to catch men to preach the precious gospel throughout the land, not only our land, but also in nations far apart. How scattered and divided the church appears. We've just gone through that, haven't we? Fractured, divided, each going and doing their own thing. Oh, the devil could not love anything more than to scatter the sheep, to divide the church of Jesus Christ. What a terrible sin that is of schism, scattering, dividing. And how discouraged we become in that and how discouraged we can become at times in our labors not seeing an awful lot of much gained for our labors. How many have been brought into the fold with us? And how tired and how hungry we are in our labors, needing substance to continue our lives and labors. Isn't that exactly the whole point of coming to church that you and I may be fed with God's word and with Christ Jesus himself, Christ present with us. How we need to be fed, be refreshed by his grace. For empty cisterns cannot be a fountain to others, can they? You and I need to be filled with God's word, with Christ Jesus as he comes to us in his word and spirit in order to be those mouthpieces speaking of the hope that is within us. And how impatient we also become at times. It's been almost 2,000 years, and we might ask to ourselves, when is he coming again? Is he coming again? Scattered, discouraged, tired and hungry, impatient. 
There's a hymn that came to mind when I was listing these different things. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Do you recognize, beloved, your need this morning? When we are stuffed full, we don't want to look at any more food, do we? But when we are empty, when we haven't had anything to eat, then our stomachs are growling and we take hold of the food that is given to us with joy. And so also, that's the way we come to the Lord's table this morning. I need thee, Lord, I need thee every hour. And Jesus says, come and dine. I will refresh you. I will refresh you by my word and by my spirit. The disciples need there at the Sea of Galilee. And beloved, you're my need for Christ Jesus. Notice then in the second place, the substance given. Jesus asks a question. It is a pedagogical question. Jesus loved to do that, doesn't he? God did that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Where are you? What have you done? Bringing out their need for him need for forgiveness and need for restoration. And so Jesus comes to these scattered, discouraged, hungry, and also impatient disciples. Children, how tender. Children, have ye any meat? And when that voice goes out over the waters, no one knows that it's the Lord Jesus unless he first reveals himself to them. They didn't know it was Jesus. Perhaps they thought it was a buyer waiting for their fish that they were supposed to bring in. They did not know him at first. It was dark out yet. They were... The sight on the beach was not distinct enough. And of course, Jesus was there in his glorified body, and that means that no one could see him unless he makes himself manifest to them. Christ Jesus is not always discerned even in our lives, is he? Even though he is always present with us, What storms are you going through? What trials are you going through? What struggles are you going through? Are you at times discouraged and tired and hungry and impatient? Do you recognize by the eyes of the soul when Jesus makes himself manifest to you in his word and at the table? The question asked, is to teach us that our labors will not be successful unless the Lord speaks and blesses it. They toiled all night long and there were no fish at all to be had for all that labor. And for all the labor of the church, there will not be any kind of success unless unless the Lord speaks and blesses it. The disciples must look to Jesus Christ for all of their needs. For as Jesus says, without me ye can do nothing. And it is Peter. After the catch of fish, he recognizes immediately it is the Lord. And he cannot wait for the boat to come to shore. But he jumps into the sea to come up to Jesus. 
What a wonderful meal was prepared there for the disciples. We can call it food from heaven. Just as the Lord fed his people all through the 40 years of the wilderness wandering with bread from heaven, when the disciples come to the land, they see a wonderful provision for them, a fire on which there were fish baking and bread. And there is Jesus' gracious command then, come and dine. And that is Jesus' command to you and me this morning as we come to the word preached and the table set before us, come and dine. Fill your souls with that food that is necessary unto life everlasting. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give thee rest. Is that the way you and I are coming this morning? Weary? Weary because we've been called to fight the good fight of faith? Weary and heavy laden because as we were called to do that examination this past week, what awful things we see in ourselves Am I worthy to come to the Lord's table? And yet that's precisely what the table is set forth. For sinners that are forgiven by God's grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. And that's why we were called to that examination to see our dire need for Christ Jesus and his redemptive death on the cross. He is the food for our souls. Jesus himself comes to the disciples. It's his activity, isn't it? They were there out on the Sea of Galilee all by themselves, and Jesus comes to them, appears to them, and cares for them. Jesus takes bread and fish. And no, I don't believe that Jesus went down to a store, first of all, to get those things. For he is the creator, isn't he? And as he said, let there be in Genesis chapter 1, so there also at the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he says, let there be. And there on that fire prepared was a table, fish and bread. Come and dine. How this miracle must have reminded Jesus' disciples of Jesus' compassion on the multitudes. Where would they have? They didn't have enough money to buy bread for all of them, as one of the disciples said to Jesus. How will they have it? But it is Jesus who performed then the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children. And it is the Lord Jesus who graciously provides now food for these weary and scattered and hungry disciples. And it is the Lord Jesus who comes to us this morning also with food for our souls. His broken body and his poured out blood. And what do we see in this miracle there by the Sea of Galilee? Do we not see the resurrected Lord Jesus that he still has a lively interest in and care and provision for his church? He is raised from the dead with a glorified body prepared for heaven and yet here he appears for 40 days at different times. And now this morning, to his disciples, he cares for them. Have ye any meat? And the answer is no. And he says, I, I will provide for your needs. 
and what a wonderful meal is prepared for us, the church, this morning. The resurrected Lord sees and he knows the needs of his saints, and he has furnished a table for us. He is the host this morning, and he graciously commands you and me to come and dine with him. What a gracious provision. The fish and the bread, surely from heaven on that day, but now from heaven also. Christ comes, he says, come and dine on my broken body and my poured out blood. That is food for your souls. What a provision. What a provision for sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As Jesus took and he broke the bread and the fish for the multitude, so he does for the disciples. And so he has also broken his flesh for you and me broken his flesh for all those whom the Father has chosen from eternity and in eternity, gave to Christ Jesus to save. He says, come and dine in faith. In faith, we must take, we must eat. We must remember and believe that his body was broken for a complete remission of all of our sins and his blood was poured out for a complete remission of our sins. So take, eat, drink, drink ye all of it. Food for our souls. You see, that's just the symbol. That little piece of bread or that little vessel of wine. Don't cling to those things. But as our form says, fly, fly with your soul up into heaven and behold Christ Jesus himself who is your meat and your drink. We read in Psalm 27 verse 14, wait on the Lord and he will strengthen thine heart. And that's what the Lord's table is all about. That's what the reading of the God's word is all about, to feed our souls. God's word, the most important, where it not only works faith, but strengthens faith also, but that table, that table added to the preaching of the word strengthens our faith. Faith in Christ Jesus as the only Savior. Come and dine. And the fellowship enjoyed there. Jesus hasn't forgotten us, the disciples say. He appeared twice before to them when they were together in the upper room, but now here's the third appearance of Christ. How good, how good it is to be with Christ Jesus again. And Peter can't wait for that boat to make it to the shore. Leave the fish to the other disciples to haul in. He jumps out of the boat to go to Christ Jesus. Sweet fellowship. No, Jesus was not with them any longer in their daily lives, that is, physically like he was before. But now in his glorified body, he appears a third time to them to strengthen them and cause them to look forward, forward when he would give them, as we read in John 14, another comforter. Another comforter, the Holy Spirit, through whom he would manifest himself to his disciples. And beloved, that is what Christ is doing this morning. Through the preaching of the word and through the table, 
Christ is manifesting himself to the eyes of our souls through faith. We behold Christ Jesus, and he is the complete provision for our salvation and our new life. And just as a person cannot live very long a physical life if they do not have food to eat, spiritually we will not live and be strong unless we are fed with Christ Jesus himself. Not just four times a year when we have Holy Communion, but every time when you parents open up the Scriptures at the table with your children, And every time that you have your private devotions, Christ is coming to us. He he comes to us this morning in the preached word and the sacrament. And Jesus says to his disciples earlier, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. Yes, he will be with them by his word and spirit. And beloved, he is with us also every day of our lives. We won't see him with these eyes, for he is in heaven bodily, but we'll see him with the eyes of faith and we'll partake of him. And at the end of time, when all of the church has been born and has been gathered and saved, Then we will see Jesus Christ again with these eyes as our bodies are raised from the grave and we are joined to Christ Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth, beholding Christ face to face. Notice these scattered disciples, only seven of them present at this occasion are brought back there together and their fellowship is strengthened. But that's only the beginning, isn't it? That's only the beginning of the gathering of the glorious church of Jesus Christ, uniting them in faith and in obedience. That is what Christ is doing whenever the word is boldly proclaimed Christ is gathering and building his church and preserving them. Us, weak, tired, hungry, impatient disciples of Jesus, gathered together. Gathered together and in the preaching of the word and in the Lord's Supper We sit and we enjoy sweet fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the host at that table, and we are his guest, bidden by him to come and dine on him. And even while physically we are here at the table with our Lord Jesus Christ, he is there by his word and spirit. Our souls also fly up to heaven, don't they? As we read in the form. We don't cling to the earthly things. That's not what's important. But these earthly symbols point to his resurrected body and blood in Christ Jesus. As an assurance that as the head has gone up into heaven, so also the rest of the body will be taken up into heaven. He has made an entrance there that you and I can follow him. By faith we gaze at Christ seated in power and in glory. And yes, we gaze and we gaze on him by faith. But beloved, the fellowship that these disciples had on that morning was not only with Christ Jesus but also with one another, one body again. Peter also. Peter restored as a disciple. Peter, who was getting impatient, says, I go a-fishing. 
Jesus had appeared to him earlier and had forgiven him, but what's important in the rest of this chapter is now Peter is publicly restored to his occupation as a fisher of men or as one who is to feed God's sheep and his lambs. But the sweet fellowship was not only with their Lord, but with one another, one body again, to labor. The Greek word koinia is translated by two different English words, meaning fellowship and communion. And so when one says to another, I am going to go and take communion this morning. You're not coming here individually, but we're coming together as the body of church of Jesus Christ, and we have fellowship not only with our Lord, but we have sweet communion, fellowship with one another. We have that sweet fellowship with one another, not just on the Sunday when we have communion, But we have that wonderful communion and fellowship together every day of our lives as a congregation. When together we partake of the joys of marriage, when we come together in sympathy when someone has passed away, when we visit one another when they are sick or have had surgery, every day in communion, in coming to God also in prayers for one another, speaking words of encouragement to one another. That's what the Lord's table is all about. Needy disciples, all of us, coming together, eating together, drinking together, believing together, living together, And may Satan not be allowed by Christ Jesus to come and to scatter or to divide or to break up his precious church. It is a fellowship of Christians with their God in Christ Jesus and with one another. James Boyce made a comment, and I'd like to read it. And he says, some Christians are going to heaven miserably. Others are going with the joy of heaven in their hearts and on their faces. And what is the difference? The difference is that the latter have learned to come and to dine with Jesus Christ and with one another. Oh, the pity of those who leave the visible church, who want to dine with Christ Jesus all alone in their homes. Or we think of some of the Christians in persecuted countries where they cannot gather together as a church. What a blessing God has given to you and to me. If you have that, if you lack that joy, take time to be with Christ Jesus. Turn off that television. Lay aside that worthless book. Forgo useless activities. Spend time with your Savior in his word preferably with other believers. Fellowship with Jesus Christ at his table, he says, come and dine and enjoy that communion then that you have with your risen Lord and enjoy that communion, that fellowship that we have together as God's children. Amen. Let's go to the back of our Psalter's to the form for communion. Page 91. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
attend to the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they were delivered by the Holy Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. <clears throat> For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body that we may now celebrate the supper of our Lord to our comfort, it is above all things necessary first right to examine ourselves and secondly to direct it to that end for which Christ has ordained and instituted the same, namely to his remembrance. That's why last Sunday evening that part of the examination of this, this form was read so that we could examine ourselves, see our sins, and see our need for Jesus Christ. So we pick up the reading again on page 92 then, in the second column, the first open paragraph. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord hath instituted his supper, namely that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner are we to remember him by it first. That we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to the forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God under which we could have perished everlastingly, from the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he hath fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden where he was bound that we might be free from our sins that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we will never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed to the cross, that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due unto us, that he might fill us with his blessings. And he hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul, on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never forsaken of him. And finally confirmed with his dead and shedding of his blood, the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. Secondly, that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ in his last supper took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. 
this do in remembrance of me. In like manner, after the supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished of and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you, that whereas you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you, and as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life as this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we by the same Spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the holy apostle saith. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked. And out of many berries being pressed together one wine floweth and mixeth itself together so shall we all, by a true faith, are engrafted into Christ, be altogether one body, through brotherly love, for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who has so exceedingly loved us. And not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God and with true faith implore his grace in prayer. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech thee that thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may daily more and more with true confidence give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood. Yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, and that we may no longer live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in Christ and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace. 
that we may not doubt that thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us, but providing us with all things necessary as well for the body as the soul, as thy beloved children and heirs. Grant unto us thy grace, that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations, with uplifted heads, expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body and take us unto him in eternity. Saying together, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Strengthen us also by this holy supper in the Catholic and doubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.